Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Dr. Pat Ballone helps make sense of complex and challenging problems and or situations in your mind, body, and soul quickly and in better ways that are simpler, faster, achievable, and with measurable results. She helps clients who are sick, overweight, and tired, who are ready to finally release lifelong weight problems, chronic diseases, and genetic dispositions in an effort to restore energy and vitality. I know that Dr. Pat works a lot with people who are looking to be braver every day in order to take on these challenges. And I'm really excited to be talking with her today. Hi, Dr. Pat. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Fantastic. We are thrilled to have you here today. And I gave a very brief intro as to what you do and the impact that you have in the marketplace, but I think you could probably do a little bit better job. Can you tell us a little bit about your history and really how you have come to do what you do today? Well, my history started out when... um, you know, a, a friend of mine took me on a ride one day and said that, because I had all these pre-med requirements finished, and he said, you should be a chiropractor. You could help more people. And I went, oh, I don't want to be a chiropractor. <laughs> and he said, who wants to be a chiropractor? He goes, well, I'm going to chiropractic school. You should come. And then I said, I don't think so. It's not for me. And we went on and we had our day and, and a little time passed. And I was working as a waitress at the time. And I was lifting a lot of heavy trays. We were always really busy. I made a lot of money being a waitress at that time. And I, my, I hurt my shoulder. And I went to go see a chiropractor and I was listening to him, how he was approaching me and what he was doing. And when he got done, I said, um, and, and we decided to do what we were going to do for treatment. Um, I went, well, if he can do that, so can I. And I never looked back. I applied for school and my whole life pivoted around to being people focused and people concentric in that way. Um, And, you know, and stepping forward and, you know, not being, you know, not staying in um, what you might call a rut or, you know, in that type of thing and and really stepping out and learning ways to help people, things that made sense um, and, you know, helping people see that because that's a really hard thing for people to get out of denial about their health. And so that's how I ended up being a chiropractor. And I had a couple mentors in chiropractic that took me from 
a point of like, I have no clue what I'm going to do next to um, saying like, hey, here's a here's a system that you can go from A to Z and you get consistent results with people all the time. And we all know in healthcare, when you're going to a doctor, results count. And if you're not getting results with your doctor, you really need to go someplace else. <laughs> well, I loved what you had said about denial about their health. And I would imagine that you know, from time to time, it takes bravery to face into or acknowledge some symptom or issue that you might be dealing with that requires some type of professional care. Do you see that a lot in the work that you do with clients? Well, a lot of people, you know, when I look around um, and when I live downtown Boston, there's a point where I was looking around and uh, I retired, I sold my business on the Cape. And when I moved to Boston, I was looking around thinking, God, these people are really sick. (laughs) And and you could see it in their face or they were really unhappy. They never smiled. They were walking to work in a cloud. Um, I lived right downtown, uh, right in near the financial district. So I got to see all these intense people all the time. And um, that drove me to go back into, you know, to studying a different venue, adding on to what I already knew. Um, And, you know, it's funny because one day I walked through Boston and, um, being from the Midwest, we talk to everybody. So I was asking them, you know, are, do you think you're a person, is my question, or do you think you're a human being? And it made people laugh. And it's it's so funny because people don't, you don't really think people see you or recognize you when you're walking around in an area. Um, and But from that day on, people who I asked that question to, they would look at me when they were walking by going, human being. because everybody answered human being when I was talking to them that day and you know so it it was really kind of fun to make a connection and get a smiley face as opposed to someone who was like in there deep in their thoughts and you know claiming that they needed coffee when they really needed just to be grounded and being back on earth well is there a right answer you were looking for is the more right answer human being or person well you know, my theory was um, I only asked um, when I, I was on my way to Brigham and Women's Hospital that day. I had an, a doctor's appointment and um, I was asking people like all along the way, too. And so when I left there, I looked at this guy. He was really cute. He was really handsome. And I said, hey, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, do you think you're a human being or do you think you're a person? And he pondered. He had that ponder look. And mm-hmm. then I, he said, I'm both. And I went, really, you must be a medical doctor. (laughs) And he was. (laughs) Because, you know, as a a doctor, you have to, you know, there's, and and people know going to their medical doctor, they're like, have the white coat on, there's distance, you know, and, you know, they want, they want to keep that space. You know, as a chiropractor, we touch people's hands, their body, their, 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 you know, their back, you know, their ankles. So our hands are on people's spines and, you know, in, in a more caring way. So our connection with people is, is more, um, you know, like on a human contact, whereas even if you have an orthopedic evaluation, you know, who's ever doing it is very perfunctory, you know, and there's no, you know, I, I always, it's hard for me to find a medical doctor with a good sense of humor when they're working. They have great sense of humor when they're not working, but they, sometimes that connection and that humanness isn't there. Yeah, and I loved your observation as well about your your observation of other people and their face and how what their face looked like could infer certain 
realities for you. This is similar advice that I give people who are in career transition about getting the negativity out of their head when they're interviewing, because if you're bummed out or distracted, people will notice. And that's not something you want people to notice, certainly not in an interview. You want them to feel you're engaged and excited, you know, not distracted and depressed. And so I think it is something that you can kind of see and experience in others. Right. Well, you you know, sometimes the I, I had a, uh, a procedure in my office for an in-house procedure. And so with, when we had different workstations, I had my workstation, the front desk, the insurance part and, you know, and another room that did filing and that type of thing. And they, um, you know, they we had this rock that I found on the beach one day and I named it the rock. And so when you, the procedure was, is that if you saw somebody that wasn't on purpose with intention and focus when they were working, you could go take that rock and just put it in their workstation. They could go find someone to cover for them for like 10 minutes and they could go outside, go hug a tree, go sing a song, do a, you know, a headstand, whatever it took to go get, back in your body so that they could leave whatever was going on outside the door and they could focus at 150% or 100% as much as possible on what they're doing in the moment. Well, I love that. And certainly some of the takeaways that we hope people get by listening to our podcast are activities, things that you can do in order to be braver in the workplace. So you have worked with thousands of people over the years, Dr. Patton. You know, I would wonder you know, what are words or phrases that you think of when you think about bravery at work? Well, one of the things is, you know, um, I think that phrase, uh, walking in somebody else's shoes, um, is an important phrase when you're coming from a physician point of view, because, uh, you know, when, when you're asking people questions and you're trying to ascertain right side, left side information, sometimes there's hidden things that are underneath that, that you don't really, that you can intrinsically pick up on, but you don't necessarily always ask about, I ask. That's my bravery moment because I ask people, it's like, so what's really going on? You know, and sometimes I just close my file because we were taking hand notes at that time. We took, I closed my file and I said, like, tell me what's really going on. And I had a chart in my room that this woman was looking at one time. And when I came in, she was crying. And I said, what's the matter? And, you know, and it would have, you know, like um, areas of the body and different like symptoms that can be associated with that. And she goes, I have everything up there. You know, and she was just having a very low day. I just closed my book and I said, forget the adjustment. Let's have a mental adjustment. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. So what we talked about was like, it's impossible to have everything up there because you wouldn't be here having the conversation, you know, and, and also people forget to have humor, you know, and be brave enough to have humor. I can remember a guy who I was working on, there's a bakery next door. So when they were baking, my whole office smelled like the bakery. You know, and so um, I, when I was holding a trigger point trying to get it to release on this guy, I asked him, could you, t uh, you know, I said, I go, what do you think they're cooking over there and baking? I said, do you think, you know, panna chocolate, you know, you think just bread or do so you think that they're doing donuts? And he said, what does that have to do with my health care? I said, everything. I said, you are so focused on what you're going to do five minutes from now. I need to hear you be here now. You know, and he said, no one's ever talked to me that way before in a doctor's office. I said, 
well, you want to get a certain, you know, outcome, you know, I have to get you to that outcome. I need you to work with me. I said, be here now. You can think about whatever you're going to think about when you go back out the door. It's just not going to matter until you get that far. And there's nothing you can do about that anyway until you get that far. And he's going, Dr. Pat, where did you get your sense of humor? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> I was waiting for him just to get up and bolt out the door and say, I'm never coming back. But, you know, I thought, I go, you got, you know, it was a, it was a pivot point for him and a turning point for him as he realized that there was nothing he could do about. And thoughts are so damaging. They can undo anything that you do and for the foods that you eat you know, and getting rid of toxins. You can do all those things perfectly. You can go to the chiropractor and you can get alignment. But if your thoughts aren't on the table and you can have them handled so that at night you're going, oh, I, that thought's coming up. I'm just going to write it down and I'll get to it tomorrow because it's not going to make, I can, there's nothing I can do about it now. Or if there is something that you could do about it now, go do it. Um, and then go back to bed because then you go back to bed with a peace of mind. Well, I love the piece of advice that you gave to start that perspective, Dr. Pat, which is the need to walk in other people's shoes. I think anybody who is looking to be braver in the workplace needs to include in their bravery model, you know, what will the impact be to the person that I'm speaking to? What are the various ways that they might go and what they hear? Because uh, oftentimes bravery is saying something that needs to be said that no one has said. And, uh, you know, putting yourself in those that person's shoes in order to understand the impact is significantly important. If you're not doing that, you're missing a huge piece of being braver in the workplace. Yes, absolutely. How about a story, Dr. Pat? Uh, you know, we asked many of our guests to share a story where they showed bravery or didn't show bravery in their lives. Uh, do you have a story that you can share with our listeners? Well, um, one of the stories I think I, that comes to mind, and I think we talked about before, is that um, you know, when you, when you go to school and you go to be a doctor, you know, and, um, whether it's chiropractic, acupuncture, you know, medical school, speciality, well, it's not so much a speciality, but the, but this being a doctor, when you finish school, the biggest thing that was my moment that like changed how I did everything. I mean, it was fun being in school and it was, I'm a, I'm a data dumper and I'm a data learner. So it's just like, I love learning all that stuff. And science was always easy for me, but the day that I walked into an office and realized the enormity of the responsibility that I chose to take on, because they never teach that in school, changed the rest of my life. You know, I became responsible for anybody who walked in my door from the moment that they made their very first appointment to the last moment that they, you know, they moved, they went someplace else. Because I, I had a big, um, you know, maintenance practice, meaning people came to see me. I still had the same patients that I had when I first opened my doors. Uh, because they came for recurring treatments? No, they came for maintenance. Maintenance is like something that, you know, you, you get in, in alignment. People learn about their body and about, um, you know, it's just like, I, I know what my body feels like. I know when I need an adjustment now. So I always, my rule with the people is like, hey, you feel something, you know, 24 hours is not gone. You know, you might want to call for sure. If it's not gone in 36 hours, call. Because by the time you let it sit there and fester, you're getting inflammation, you're getting adhesions, you're getting other things that make it into two or three appointments as opposed to one. So people who came to me at first got their problem taken care of, and then they brought in their 
grandparents, their mothers, their fathers, their kids. And so it was a big kind of family practice where, you know, where we looked at wellness because I wasn't a doctor of sickness. I was a doctor of wellness. So we looked at like what's what's working and what's not working on functionally. We fix that because we fix health. We fix your rest of your life. Well, fantastic. So let's go back to when you graduated medical school and realize that the menu that you were being offered was way bigger <laughs> or complex than yeah. what they had said. <laughs> what were some yeah, what were some examples of bravery? What did that feel like? I mean, how did you navigate moving from school to the real world and the expectations of your client base and the market? Well, in chiropractic school, what we did, we, we you would come to see me, I would see your adjustment, and then I would make the appropriate notes, get it um, approved by the the floor doctor, and then that file would go back into the Oasis. Unless you specifically made time to come see me again, then I would pull that file and I'd be able to follow your progression. So sometimes some people just walked into the open clinics, even in acupuncture school, and you saw whoever was there. You know, so you never saw necessarily the same person twice. So when you're seeing people on the same person twice part, like in more, like 10 visits, 30 visits, 50 visits, something like that, then you have, you know, you're having a conversation. Like I know who you went out with on Saturday night. <laughs> and I know, you know, sometimes what you ate for dinner. Um, and, you know, it's just like, and I saw your kid out. Did you know your kid was downtown? <laughs> you know, kind, <laughs> kind of thing, because it was so small. When I went, um, you know, and, and people were always watching me on Cape Cod, it was very small, especially at that time. So if I went out to dinner, you know, the next day, people would be in my office saying to me, Dr. Pat, I saw you at the sushi bar last night. You know, I didn't know you like sushi. And was that a romantic interest you were with? I mean, people knew everything that you did. So it was really important to you know, be accountable for like, you know, hey, this is where you're at, this is where we're going, and really make concise plans that people could follow. And people had the, I always used to say in my office, because I wanted to have a really intense level of communication with people, but on a, on a very, uh, very passive way. I always said, this house is my house, and this house is your house. You can say what Ever you want to say to me in this room, it will never get past the doors. And it gave people an opportunity to really let their hair down and, you know, and be present in the moment so that they could get my very best from me and then move on forward. I had a lot of my uh, practice on the Cape was pretty much all referral based. Well, it sounds like a lot of what you're describing is moving from kind of the tactical experience you may have had clinically to relationship building. It was. Right. It was. There is um, communication. Um, I, I did a lot of uh, uh, extracurricular studying on my own about like ways people communicate. So I paid very close attention to if somebody was a pictorial learner. You know, like they talk about the uh, green grass. They talk about the blue skies, you know, because I always ask people to tell me where they live and explain it to me. And so, and then, that, you know, they would also say things that people, the auditory people would be like, oh, I live really close to 28, you know, which is a, a main street on Cape Cod. And it's so loud. I can't wait to move. I can't, mm -hmm. I hear way too many trucks, you know, or, or whatever it is. And people who are the feeling people, they would say things to me like, you know, I really love my plants. 
I have these beautiful flowers that are so lush, you know, and, you know, and, and so, and people are not just necessarily one of those, they're a combination of those, but I did a lot of extra um, studying on my own because I wanted to, you know, when I asked somebody to do something, I wanted to have that, you know, statement to be very clear in the language that they understood. Well, I really appreciate the stories that you've had to share today, Dr. Pat, and two things I just want to recap for our listeners, both great pieces of advice. One is to ensure that you walk in other people's shoes, that your likelihood to be brave with them is uh, more successful if you understand more about how they may react and respond to the effort you're putting forth, and then also to have relationships with people, because I believe it's easier to be braver with somebody that you have a relationship with than somebody whom you just have a kind of a tactical uh, one-off or occasional type of interaction. So thank you for both of those pieces of advice. And do you have ways, uh, Dr. Pat, that folks can get in touch with you? I do. Um, I have a website, and my website is healthteamnetwork.com. My email is askdrpat at healthteamnetwork.com. For my socials, I'm on LinkedIn, um, you can look me up as, just by my name, Dr. Pat Boulogne and Facebook. Um, if you put in the facebook.com, it would just be forward slash ask Dr. Pat. And I have an Instagram account, which links into the Facebook. So they, there's a lot of different ways for you to find me. Yes. Wow. You are everywhere. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so thanks again, Dr. Pat. It was really great speaking with you. Thank you. I appreciate being here and sharing some information and knowledge. It's one of my passions is to um, always help people get some accurate information so they can make an educated decision about how to move forward. Great. Well, I think we shared some fantastic ideas with folks today. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast, CastBox. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.